Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, I read a story the other day about trusting in the Lord to fix what's broken, to really trust in him. And, it, and the story goes like this. There was a certain man and his pastor, and they traveled to preach a sermon at another church. And when they had finished, they went to the store and looked around. The man, he bought a doll for his daughter and took it home and gave it to her. Well, the next day, the mother saw that the doll was broken beyond repair and asked the little girl why she broke the doll. And she said, it's okay. Mommy, Daddy will fix it. The mother said, I doubt he can fix it, sweetie. It's beyond repair. And the little girl maintained the idea and trust that her daddy can fix it. When the man returned home that evening, the mother told him about everything. And with tears in his eyes, he called his pastor friend and asked asked him what he was doing tomorrow because he needed to go back and get another doll. The man said, quote, I have to get another doll. My little girl, my little girl believes in me, unquote. When we trust in Jesus with our problems, he is the same as that man. We trust that he will fix it. Well, church, listen, as we make our way through Psalm 40, guys, let us remember that there are three things that we must employ when something in our life is broken. There are three things, or, or maybe in life you feel like we're kind of uh, stuck in the mud, if you will, or in the pit. You go, what are those things? Well, if you're taking note there, in those times, the first thing we need to remember is we must praise the Lord. We must praise the Lord. In those times when we feel like life is broken, we must have that praise that comes from deep within our heart, praising the Lord, thanking Him for His amazing deliverance. The second thing we need to do in those times when we feel like something is broken is that we must give to the Lord. Must give to the Lord in those times of stress and trial. Dedication back to the Lord is key. And then the third thing we need to do, guys, is we must trust the Lord. We must trust the Lord asking God for personal forgiveness and restoration. Now, those are the three things when we feel that life is broken. Now, before we jump into our text tonight, let's chat for just a moment. You go, what about Ben? If we're honest here tonight, most of us in this room, at one time in our life or another, we found ourselves in what we'd call the pit. We're in the pit, man. We're, we're in this place. And you go, what pit? What are you talking about? Well, for some, it could be the pit of discouragement. It could be the pit of discouragement. Or maybe you find yourself in the pit of anger. Or maybe you're in the pit of depression. Or maybe it's a pit of impatience. You're just not, you just don't have those patience. Or, or guys, for a lot of us, it's the pit of negativity. Some of us find us, ourselves in the pit of a bad attitude. Now, here's the problem, guys. We may not even know how we got in this pit. And you're looking around going, I don't even know how I got here, let alone you're thinking, how do I even get out? Well, Psalm 40, guys, God sends his word to heal us and deliver us from the pit and from destruction. You go, well, like what? Well, think about anger for just a minute. What happens if you're angry and you don't want to be angry, but then you're really angry? And you just can't seem to get back to the place where you were before you fell into the pit. You're just angry. Or maybe in your life today, it describes discouragement. What do you do when you're discouraged? You know that you shouldn't be. And you even realistically know that you are blessed. And yet, this evening, you can say, I feel discouraged. Or maybe we're in the pit of a bad attitude. You know that you want to sacrifice in a situation, but the truth is you want what you want, and no amount of trying to change is going to make the difference. Listen, listen. To get out of the pit, we must be willing to do what we are willing not to feel like doing. See, so many times then not... We don't want to praise the Lord in those times that we feel like we're in a pit, much less give or trust the Lord. But let me say it again. We must be willing to do what we don't feel like doing. Now, 
Psalm 40 is exactly the remedy we need. Now remember, Psalm 40 is a twofold story, okay? First, it's about David's life, okay? So we can relate to David. David was the dude that was out there. He was, a, he was an exile. He was a fugitive. We know he was on a run. We know that, they, that the, you know, they had a hit out on him. We know David's life. And so a lot of times he writes from, from basically the, just the, um, the depths of his heart. And we know it was about David's life. And David was a man of God who struggled with discouragement like all of us did. And he wrote amid our texts <laughs> great difficulties. The good thing was, not only did the Lord deliver him out of this discouragement, but he also used the resulting change in David's heart as a good example for us to learn from. In truth, when we are often discouraged or frustrated or sad, listen, our expectation of things and situations never happen. God bless the Christian who remains faithful amid troubles and failures of the earthly life. Remember what Jesus told his disciples. He said, listen, you are, you are to expect trials. He begins in John 16 by stating, he says, these things Jesus is speaking. He says, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. But they will put you out of the synagogues, yes, in time coming, that whoever kills you, they will think he offers God service. And so again, think about what he's telling his disciples. He goes, listen, guys, here's what you need to grasp. You can expect trials in your life. You can expect that there's going to be times of difficulties. And he's looking at his disciples and he goes, listen, there's going to be times that, that listen, that they're going to want to kill you and then they're going to think they're doing God a favor. And you're going, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What about this Christianity thing? Are you kidding me? This Christianity, you're saying that I'm going to get killed for following Jesus? He goes, absolutely. And they're going to think that they're going to be doing God's service. And of course, we know who he's referencing at the time. He's referencing probably Saul at the time. Saul's going, you know what? I'm going to find you. I'm going to kill you. If nothing else, I'm going to put you in prison. And Jesus reminds us, guys, listen, if, if they're going to persecute the disciples, we are his disciples today, and we're going to be persecuted. Think about this. I want you to think about this for just a moment. The Bible tells us that those who want to live godly will suffer persecution. All right, who's in? And you're just like, whoa, are you serious? Yeah, you want to live. I mean, we all get up in the morning, we look in the mirror, we say, hey, how you doing? And we look good and we go, okay, I want to live godly today. I want to live for God. And here's the problem. The problem is, is that we don't ever take the next step and go, okay, those who want to live godly are going to suffer, right? We're going to suffer persecution. Why? That's what Jesus told us. And he, he reminds the disciples in John 16, listen, guys, listen, it's not going to be an easy life. And then he ends the chapter in John 16, verse 33. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What did he say? In this world, guys, every day you're going to find and have tribulation. Yet in spite of these words and many other similar scriptures, many that profess to know Christ stumble and fall away when they're hit with various trials. You go, what do you mean? Jesus told us, guys, that we were going to face some things in this world that were going to be hard. We're going to suffer persecution. There's going to be trials and tribulation in this world. And we go, amen, I think. But the problem is, is that, is that when we're not taught what the Word of God says, there's a lot of people who swallow the fact that Christianity is simply a, well, what can I get from God? And then when the trials come, that's exactly what they do, guys. They, they stumble and then they fall away. If you're going to persevere with Christ, you must know in advance that you will face times when you're going to be in the pit. And you must know what to do when you're there. Rather than turning away from the Lord, you must learn to turn to him to rescue from life's pits. That's the first part. The second part, guys, in Psalm 40, well, it's a song about, it really is a psalm about pits, right? It's a, it's a psalm about fits. It, it falls into two sections. You go, what's that? If you're taking note, the first half, one through 10, tells, David tells how God 
got him out of the pit and he sings a new song. And he sings God's praises for doing so. The last part of this, verses 11, he, he's in another pit, believe it or not, and he's crying out to the Lord to deliver from this one. So it's a story about David's life, but it's also a story about our lives when we fall into what we would call the miry clay, when we fall into life, when we think things aren't broken and we just can't get through, when we feel like we're discouraged or we have a bad attitude or we have just impatience and all of these things. And so Psalm 40 just pulls that in. Okay, so if you're taking note, jot this down. Psalm 40 is broken down this way. David's life is our life. You go, what do you mean? Number one, we need to remember that David's, we're going to see David's exile years. He's going to tell us that first and foremost, right? And you go, well, what's that? Well, we know that when he's out on the run, he's going to praise God for all he's done. Now, I want, I want, I want you to let that sink in for just a moment. You know, what do you mean? Think about David. David was out on the run, and now, listen, to you and I, that doesn't mean a whole lot. Why? Because we've got nice homes, and we drive nice cars, and we go where we go to and fro, and that's okay. We have jobs, and we do these things, and sometimes sometimes the, the most persecution we get is we get a bill in the mail that we didn't expect, and we don't have any money to pay it, and we just kind of wonder how we're going to do this. David, church, listen, David is... He's left everything he's loved. Now, I want you to think. I want you to think. You get up. You leave right now everything that you love, all of your friends, all of your family. You leave all of every comfort that you know of, and you're out living in the wilderness. And you're, you're, you're just going, are you kidding me? He's out in exile. And he's like, are you kidding me? But you go, okay, so listen, I have no friends. I have no family. Um, I have no money. And nobody likes me, and I'm just out on my own, and I've got to live on the own by myself, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So here's what I need to do at this point. And David says, here's what you need to do. You need to praise the Lord. Let's be honest. Not a whole lot of us would do that, would we? Not a whole lot of us would go, oh, praise God, we're broke. Amen. Hallelujah. We're, we're just... And David says, okay, that's the first thing. You're going to see him in exile. The second thing is then he's dedicated as a new king. So what does he do? He gives God all he asks. God, what do you want? I'm this new king. And then the third way the psalm is broken down is personal forgiveness. Trust God for all that remains. So let's let's jump into our text, guys. Number one, let's praise God for all he's done, okay? He's going to pull that out. Now, again, keep this in mind. David had those rough years on the run from King Saul. Think about this. His life was threatened. He had no home. He left all that he loved, his family. Yet, you could say that David was truly probably living in Bummerville. You know what I'm talking about? He just is not happy. But during his time in exile, he stops, drops, and praises God. Look at verse 1 with me, Psalm 40. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. David is an exile. He's out on the run. He's a mess. He's in a place where he doesn't think his life can be fixed. He's in a place where everything is wrong, everything is messed up, and what does he say? I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, I want you to stop for just a second, and I want you to think, what would you write here? Would it be, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he heard me, and he heard my cry? Or would you say, man, I was crying to the Lord, and I was just weeping like a baby? David says, no, 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 here it is. You ready? He said, I waited patiently. The word patiently in the Hebrew is kava, guys, and it means to bind together by twisting, to tarry, to wait upon. And I'm just thinking, listen, there, there are times, guys, when we feel like God is deferring his help. God, where are you? Where are you in this, Lord? I can, I know you're out there. And, and you're going, man, he just, he just doesn't hear me. And David reminds us that we must wait patiently for the Lord. We must wait patiently. Why is that so hard? Because we live in such we live in such a microwavable. We get we ask what we get it. Boom, right, right. Well, we drive up to a drive-through. By the time you get to that second window, your order better be ready. 
And if you have to wait any time, guess what happens? Oh, Mr. Ginner, I can't believe this. I don't know call this fast food. Come on. And that's how we live. We live that every single day. And David said, no, 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 listen. Whatever your situation is, you feel like you're in a pit. You feel like you're in a pit. And here's the problem. The problem is, guys, is that we're not patient. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined. You go, what does that mean? If you have a pencil handy, circle that. It's a very interesting word. It says, it basically says that it implies that to catch the faintest sigh. He heard me. God heard. He listened. It wasn't that like, I'm screaming to God. Here's what I love, guys. Have you ever been to a prayer meeting? Have you ever been to a prayer meeting? We're praying to God and somebody's just screaming out loud. And God, let me tell you. And, and you're just like, God's not deaf. And, and the point is, is that God can hear even the faintest of our heart. What was the result? What was the benefit of waiting on God? Hey, listen, when life is broken, are you, are you patiently waiting on the Lord? Because he, here's one of the benefits. Look at verse 2. He also brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps. Guys, a benefit to waiting on the Lord patiently, guys, is that God delivered him from the present crisis. His present crisis was like the miry clay, and he set him on a much more secure place. Notice what he says. He says, listen, I waited, and I prayed, and I cried out to God. Here's what I want you to see. Between verses 1 and 2, we don't know what the time frame was. We know that he waited patiently. But as he waited patiently, church, listen, there was a benefit. He goes, okay, God delivered me. God took me out. God, there was a crisis in my life. There was things that are going wrong. I'd made some bad choices, and now, God, are you going to hear me? Do you hear me? And if we can shoot straight at Calvary Chapel this evening, our problem lies within why we know that God is more powerful than anything. We just don't understand that power and why he would or wouldn't do anything. And so we come out and we go, God, deliver me from my present crisis. I don't know why God won't do it. I, don't, I just don't know why. I don't know why. I've waited patiently. How long have you waited? Seven minutes. I've waited, you know, and, and we don't understand the word pay. We've got to just hang in there. Why? Because he says, and he brought me out of that horrible pit. Can you imagine when the relief comes of being brought out from that pit? And he said, and you know what he did? He set my feet on the rock and he established my steps. Church, you need to understand that there's a time when God delivers you from your current crisis. You go, what's the result? Well, look at verse 3. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, right? Think about this, okay? I want to go back to verse 2 for just a moment because I want to see. Notice verse 2. He says, he also brought me out of the horrible pit. You know what that tells me? That God was in there with me. And he'll never let you go through a crisis alone. He'll never let you go through, through a miry, uh, miry clay or the pit. You'll, he'll, you'll never feel alone. God, where are you? He goes, he, he, what did he say? He also brought me out. He had to be in there to bring me out. Oftentimes we think God's going, oh, 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 dude, sorry, I didn't see you in there. Come on. God was in there with me, and he's going, I'm right here. Wait patiently. Wait patiently. Church, listen to me. Write this down. God is always working behind the scenes where we can't see it. God is always working behind the scenes where we can't see it. I'm telling you right now. And that should bring a new excitement to your life. 
God is on, you go, I don't see it, pastor. I don't see it. I don't know, man. I'm stressed out. I don't see God. He's working behind the scenes. Why? Because here's what we need to do. Here's the benefit of waiting. He goes, he put a new song in my mouth, right? He put a new song. Another benefit of waiting on the Lord, he gives you a new song to sing. What song are we supposed to be singing? David said, man, first thing I need to do is I need to praise God. I need to praise God. What is he praising him for? Deliverance, guys. Victory. Out of the miry clay. Out of the pit. He says, yes. But it's a new song. It's a new song of deliverance. Church, listen. People don't understand why in the midst of a crisis, you're singing praise songs. Can you imagine? Do you imagine, remember the disciples? Do you remember? They're in prison, right? Do you remember? And what are they doing? They're singing worship songs. When, when we get into a current crisis in our life, I don't usually sing praise songs. I mean, seriously, think about it. Think about it. Think about your latest problem. Pastor, I don't want to. That's a real... No, 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 no. But, but David's going, no, no, no. Listen, listen. In the current crisis, man, he's giving me a new song. Why? Why is he giving me... Why am I praising the Lord? He says, because when people see it, they're going to fear God. They're going to revere. They're going to give reverence and trust Jesus. Guys, listen. Oftentimes, your crisis is going to be a huge witness to non-believers. How did you react? How did you react? We miss it, church. We miss it. Why? Look at me. We think Christianity is simply coming to church, listening to a sermon, amen. You miss half of it walking out. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to come into your heart, and you have to allow the Holy Spirit to go, okay, what do you mean? Listen, your current crisis is going to be a witness to people, to unbelievers. How can you how can you do this? How can you handle that? Are you serious? You, you, you look like you're in a pit. How, how many times, church, have we felt like you're in a pit, right? A pit of anger, a pit of bad mood, a pit of whatever it might be, and somebody asks you, why, why are you in this pit? And what do we say? I'm not in a pit. And we're never come clean. And we try to defend ourselves versus what David says. David says, listen, I'm going to sing to God a new song. And, and when I'm singing, people are going, are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? He's giving me a new song. That's what he says. And people are going to trust the Lord. Guys, listen, God will deliver us in his time, in his way. Our only job when we fall into a pit is to come out praising He's going to deliver us. Look at verse 4. He said, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turns aside into lies. Many, O Lord my God, you are wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be Numbered. Now, listen, these verses are amazing. Here's what I want you to notice. And notice a few things that David writes while on the run. Okay, remember, he's a fugitive. He said, blessed, what does he say? Blessed is the man. Right, guys, circle that word, right? Highlight that word. Why? Because I want, to, I want you, it's the same word that Jesus uses in the, um, basically in the Sermon on the Mount, but it means happy are you, but it also, there's much more. It means happy are you, but it also means approval from me, God says. Happy are you and approval from me is the man who does what? Who truly trusts in the Lord Jesus. Who truly trusts in the Lord Jesus. All right, ready? Quiz time. How many of you really trust in Jesus? I do, Pastor. I trust in but here's the thing, guys, think about this. Do we really trust him when things are going really good? 
You go, of course, that's the best thing. We I trust him when things are good, right? But do you realize that trusting the Lord when things are good doesn't really move us, doesn't really grow us. But trusting the Lord when we're in a crisis strengthens us to walk closer to him. I don't know how this is going to get done. I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. I want you to, I want to tell you a story. Do you guys remember and Peter? You remember when Peter and the guys were on the boat? And Jesus comes walking on the water. And right, we've heard, we've told this story a thousand times. We were on the Sea of Galilee there in Israel, and I was tempted to get out and walk on the water. I just didn't have enough faith, to be honest with you. You know why? Because I probably would have went straight down. But he sees Jesus, right? And everybody's like, hey, look, it's a ghost. He goes, no, it's the Lord. And, and what does Peter do, right? Peter says, Lord, bid me to come. And Jesus says, come, get out of the boat, right? We give Peter a hard time, right? Because he's going to sink here in a few minutes. But let me tell you this. Look at it this way. Peter's the only one who got out of the boat. The rest of the guys were like, go, Peter, go, go, Peter. Not me. Go, Peter. Peter gets out of the boat. What does he do? He starts walking on the water. He's looking at Jesus, right? And then, and what does the Bible say? Guys, the Bible says, okay, okay. So all of a sudden, here's what's happening. He says, but when Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, there's a crisis, there's a storm. What did Peter do? He became afraid. And he began to sink. You guys know the story. There's Peter, and he's walking to Jesus, and he looks around, and he's like, uh-oh, there's a storm brewing, the wind, the waves, the rain. What am I going to do? And what does the Bible say? The Bible says he sunk. He says this, listen, in beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. And he said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, now listen, I don't want you to think that Jesus was like, oh, you got, got Peter. Oh. He probably smiled. He, Whoa, Peter, what was your faith, bro? You, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Okay, so there's Peter. And here's what you need to grasp. Okay, here's what you need to take home for tonight. Here's one of the lessons. The same storm that Peter almost drowned in, Jesus walked upon. This is the very same storm. You go, okay, so what does that mean? Guys, sometimes we feel like we're in a crisis. We're in that pit. It's the very same storm that Jesus is standing on going, I've got you. I've got you. Okay, back to our story. There's, there's Peter, right? He says, oh, Peter, why did you doubt, buddy? Now, the Bible says this in verse 32. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Thank you very much. Peter's probably going, thank you. Thank you. The wind's not even blowing. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. A couple of things I want you to remember on this story. How did Jesus and Peter get back to the boat? You probably had to walk on the water, right? It's not mentioned there, but I mean, it's like, Peter, come on. And then they both walked, and Peter's like, wow, check it out. If you're in the storm, if you're in the pit, if you're in the crisis, whatever you might be, and if you're in the miry clay, what is Peter doing? He's probably hanging on to Jesus for dear life. Oh, okay, so Jesus is just your crutch. Absolutely. I'm hanging on to him. I don't see you walking on the water, and I'm holding on to Jesus. That's the first thing. Second thing, you need to grasp this, guys. You need to grasp this. You go, why? Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says they came back to the boat, and everyone pointed fingers at Peter and laughed at him. <laughs> Peter, what? It? Wait, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that they came to the boat, and they worshiped Jesus. And they were saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Here's my point, guys. They didn't point fingers and Peter sat there wet. He almost drowned. They saw how, they, how he trusted Jesus in the midst of a crisis, and they worshiped him. And they worshiped him, guys. That's exactly what he's telling us, the psalmist is telling us, right? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Look at, uh, look at verse 5 of the psalm. 
Psalm 40. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have, which you have done. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak them, they are more than can be numbered. Guys, this is outrageous love. And you go, why? Here's what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, God's thoughts towards us are wonderful because they are so many. They cannot be recounted. You cannot count God's thoughts of you. Can you imagine? Do you realize that God thinks about you? That blows my mind. Why? The God of the universe who spoke other universes into existence, stars. I mean, he's, he's thinking about you. And he's thinking about you so much that if we were to go, hey, how many times is he thinking about you, Adam? Oh, they're too much to count. They're too much to count. Ben, I didn't think God, I mean, like, like that's, that's like wild because God's thinking about me. That's exactly what the psalmist says. He goes, guys, you don't understand. Your works are amazing, Lord. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted. Do you guys see the praise in this? David is in the midst of running, hiding. A, <laughs> they've got a hit out on him, right? They're trying to kill him. I mean, he can't, he can't go to the local grocery store without somebody going, hey, it's David, kill him! He's just, he's just on the run. He's hiding in caves, man. When we were in Israel, there was a cave, and I told Nathalie, I said, and we were right there in Engedi, and I go, man, that's probably a cave. That could be the cave right there where, where David hung out. Not only that, but, but all his, all his posse, think about that, all of his, all of his misfits hanging out with David, and David's like, listen, I didn't call you now, I gotta feed you, I gotta, and so, I mean, it's just all this stuff, and you know what he does? He comes out praising the Lord, and he goes, you know what, Lord, you're still thinking about me. How is that so opposite, guys? Because a lot of times when we feel like we're in the midst of a storm, we go, God's not thinking about me at all. He's not even thinking about me. If God was thinking about me, he would... Come on, truth, right? Truth. How many times do we want God to pick us up right out of the storm and put us somewhere else? I do. But it's in the storm, it's in the crisis that I'm going to draw closer to God. God, think about it. I mean, it's just amazing. So that's number one. David gets David gets restored. He's back in the kingdom, guys. So point number two: David, or give God all that He asks. That's what we need to do when we're in the midst of a crisis or 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 a pit or a miry clay. First thing we do is we praise the Lord with all that we have, and number two, we give God all that He asks. Verses six through ten. Keep this in mind. David has moved from the pit to the rock. David has moved from the pit to the rock. He is now the king, right? He goes into the sanctuary. After all God has done for David, a natural byproduct of seeing God move firsthand is experiencing and expressing appreciation to the Father. Now catch this. David writes in verse 6a, he says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened, burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Here's what I want you to jot down, guys. It's not that the offerings were wrong. Okay? It wasn't, it wasn't, they were still offering sacrifices. But David reminds us that we needed to give God all that he asks, and he asks for our heart first. Guys, there are so many people today that will give God, the church, whatever it is, whatever they ask for, and God goes, listen, that's great, but I don't have your heart. I don't have your heart. And he really wants our heart first. Because what happens, guys, is that we can play church, we can pretend church, we can... We can go through the motions of going to church and being religious and even being a Christian, and we can buy T-shirts that say we're Christians, and, and we can buy hats and bumper stickers or whatever you want to call it. But listen, there's only one person that really knows the depth of my heart, and that's Christ. And he's saying, he's saying, he, I mean, that's what David writes. Do you guys remember Samuel, right? What did he tell Samuel? He said, listen, to obey is better than sacrifice. 
To give God all he asks, a lot of our minds go to, oh, we need to give God money. No, 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 here's what he's saying. To give God all he asks means it starts with our heart. And that's the only thing that we can give to God is a surrendered heart. And David is a new king right here, out of the miry clay, out of the pit, and he gives God all that he asks. Let's read it together. Verse 6, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. What did God desire instead of a sacrifice, church? Obedience. This was true for David's predecessor, Saul. King Saul offered sacrifices just fine, but he didn't do is... What he didn't do is obey God. You guys want a nugget of truth here that you can take home? Guys, jot this down. Jesus came and was perfectly obedient, and his obedience is counted unto us. Did you catch that? You go, why? When we tell you to put your faith and trust in God, think about this. You go, man, I want to be obedient, but sometimes I really mess up. I don't obey God. I struggle. I stumble. I'm not that perfect obedience. I'd rather give money. Where's my wallet? Where's my wallet? Let me just give, me just give money. Let me just give. When you put your faith and trust, think about this. Jesus came, and he, be, he was perfectly obedient, and in his obedience, it is counted unto us. I love that. That's a great truth. My ears you have opened, he says. He says, instead of animal sacrifice, God wants servants who will still listen to him and surrender to him as a willing slave surrender to their master. That's what he wants. Guys, are, are your ears open to obedience? Oh, okay. Well, here, here's the word of God. I got it. Here, here's God's word. And it says to do, it says to do, it says to do this. And, and okay, well, mm, ooh, ooh. I don't know if God really wants me to do that. Well, what did the Bible say? Well, the Bible says it wants me to do that. I don't know. <laughs> huh. And David says, but my ears you have opened because, because listen, God's looking for servants, guys, that, that will listen to him. Verse 7 says, then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book that is written of me. I delight in your will, O God, and in your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteous and a great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips. O Lord, you know, you yourself know, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from me in the great assembly. So what does David do, guys? David is what? He begins to tell the world about Jesus. You go, how so? Let me read it to you in the message translation, and it pulls it out a little bit. Here's how, here's how the message reads. It says, so David answered, I'm coming. I read your letter that you wrote about me, and I'm coming to the party you're throwing for me. That's when God's word entered my life and became a part of my very being. I preached to you, to the whole congregation. I kept nothing. God, you know that. I didn't keep the news of of your ways a secret. I didn't keep it to myself. I told all how dependable you are, how thorough. I didn't hold back any piece of love and truth for myself alone. I told it all. Let the congregation know the whole story. You ready? When we fall into our pit we are supposed to praise the lord and we give god our hearts in obedience like david we become enthusiastic about telling others what the lord has done david couldn't hold it in right well ben i've I've got a question i mean that's that's kind of one of the hardest things to do is tell others about jesus why is that well, church, let me let me limit you in on a little bit of a little bit of secret. The other day, you know, I was walking around the park and I was listening to the Psalms and and I mean, man, if you get up to Psalm ninety eight and ninety nine and a hundred, let me just I mean, they're just amazing. And you go, why? Let me just read you some of this, okay? Let me just let me just kind of read you, okay? 
It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous thing. His right hand and his only arm have gained him victory. I mean, you're just like, yes! And Psalm 99.1 says, The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the chairmen. Let the earth be moved. Psalm 100.1 and 2 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And you go, Pastor, your point, here it is. Now listen, one of the hardest things that we have to do is tell, that we do is we tell others about Jesus. And it's hard because when we're confused or you have a misunderstanding of who he is or what he's all about, that's why it's hard. When I read those Psalms, I go, man, God is amazing. God is powerful. In his little pinky, he has more power than anything he could imagine. He could do this. Amen. The the whole Psalms declare that. And you're like, you're fired up. And you're like, Pastor, amen. There's nothing that God can't do. Amen. The problem is, is that there are times we get confused. And you go, well, what do you mean? Well, today I heard a man who walked away from God. Because God didn't answer him in a way that he thought he should. God, I, I, was, a, I was a prayer warrior. And he's crying and he's saying, God, I'm, I'm, I was a prayer warrior and, and I prayed for people. And, and when you didn't answer, he said, I, I walked away from you. I walked away from you. Because, guys, because he didn't understand who God is. And he got confused. And a lot of times, here's what will happen in our life, okay? A lot of times, we'll expect God to answer our, our problems or our prayers a certain way. And when he doesn't, our recourse is really simple. You go, what? We tend to walk away from God. We tend to say, and you've heard this before, if God's God, then why didn't this happen? If God's God, why didn't that happen? And what we're really saying is that we tend to, and we want to manipulate God that that if I say to God that I'm not going to serve him, that he's going to freak out and say, okay, 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 listen, okay, I'm sorry. Let me just show you who I am. And the thing about it is that is that the reason why, guys, the reason why right here, think about it. The reason David can tell, he says, listen, Lord, I just, I didn't keep anything back. And then you go to your friend and you say, hey, listen, I know, I know that you're in trouble. I know you're, whatever you're struggling, I know you're in a pit, man. And trust Jesus. And the guy goes, I trusted Jesus and look what happened. And I'm not serving God anymore because of that's the God. And you go, no, you missed it, man. David said, I waited patiently and you've got to just be patient. And you've got to know who God is. And you've got to know how he answers and when he answers is his ways is not our ways. And that's what David does. David says, it doesn't matter. You go, what do you mean? Guys, listen, listen, okay? We're going to get into this final part, okay? We're going to get into the final part. But listen, when David, now, now you've got you to gotta grasp this. When David is in the worst predicament of, of anyone's life, He's out on the run, guys. He's living, and, I mean, he's just, he's a mess. And he's thinking, he says, I'm not going to make it home. And David says, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know why Saul's trying to kill me. I didn't do anything wrong. I left Jonathan, my best friend, my family. I can't even see my dad. Are you kidding me? And I'm on the run out around Israel. He writes that he's praising the Lord. And now that he's king, he writes, I've got to just tell people about Jesus about the Lord. And you go, why is that important? Here's why. Because we could point to David and go, yeah, see, David, David, you could tell people about Jesus because you're the king now. David was worshiping and praising God in the miry clay. And he gives us a good example. Last point, guys. Last point. We need to trust God for all that remains. 
when the worship service was over, David goes back to being king. And when he goes back to being king, all the problems of the kingdom come up. And he discovered being king that there were new battles to fight and fresh problems to solve. So again, what does he do? He doesn't run from God. He actually turns to God for help. Look at verse 11. He says, Lord, do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me, O Lord. Make haste and help me. Let me stop right there. Here's the one thing you guys need to grasp. David is king, and he's in the kingdom, and he's facing new battles and new trials. And the one thing you need to grasp, listen, it's so important, it's so imperative. David is honest with God. David doesn't sugarcoat anything in his life with the Lord. He says, God, please, don't, don't withhold your tender mercies. Let your loving kindness, they preserve me. He says, for innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me. He says, I'm so, I'm so down, I can't even look up, God. They're more than the hairs of my head. And he says, and I am freaking out. And I love the fact that David says, I love the fact, be pleased, the Lord, deliver me, make haste to help me. Why? He's honest, and then he cries out for help. Somewhere along the line, guys, some of the Christians believe that we're supposed to be super Christians and that, and that we should never have any problems or cry out to God in that. And we go, hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? Praise the Lord. And deep inside, it's like, oh, my God, my whole world's falling apart. And for some reason, we, have to, we feel that way with, when, in the body of Christ. Have you asked David right here, David, you're king, man. How's it going? He's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I had a friend, good friend of mine. He pastors the church there in Aurora, Colorado. And it's a church that, I mean, sits probably, I don't know, a total of 5,000 people. And uh, he was down here on Saturday and he was visiting and uh, said, Ed, man, you, you, you got a great church. And he looked at me and he said, hey, Ben, you want the keys? You want the keys to the church? He says, and its problems? And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Why? Because we think just because David is the king and he doesn't have any problems. And here he cries out to the Lord in honesty. And then he says, Lord, what? Help me. And he's talking to his enemies. Look at verse 14. Let them be ashamed and brought mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame. You to say to me, aha, aha. This was the help that David sought, guys. He gracious, he, he just had, God had just graciously delivered him earlier, but the threat remained. Verse 16 says, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Oh, my God. Do you guys see that? He went from, hey, God, please get me out of the miry clay. And he says, I'm out of the clay. I have a new song in my heart. Praise the Lord. And then he just says, listen, I've just got to tell people about Jesus. And then now back to reality, what happens? He's crying out to God for help again. And he just gives us some encouragement. He says, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And the Lord be magnified. I am poor and needy, but the Lord thinks upon me. Guys, let's close with this. As we move into communion, just remember this. Listen. To get out of the pit, we must be willing to do what we do not feel like doing at times. When we're in the pit, if we're, if we're shooting straight with each other, so many times we don't feel like praising the Lord. When you're in jail, when you're down, when you're bummed, when life has knocked you down, I, the last thing we want to do is praise the Lord, but we need to get out of the pit. We need to do that. 
So tonight, let's just take a moment, guys, to praise the Lord in the midst of wherever you are. Just praise, just praise, just praise. Surrender your heart in obedience and trust him for what tomorrow brings. And as we move into communion, guys, let's take some time to worship and give our hearts and trust the Lord. And you might be here today and you might be in a crisis and you might be, Pastor, I'm not in a crisis. Things are way good, way good. But if you want to live godly in Christ Jesus, there will be times of of crises and there'll be times of trials and there'll be times of tribulation. And there'll be times you want to pull out your hair and there'll be times you want to pull out your husband's hair. But what you need to do is you just need to worship the Lord. And give him your heart and trust him because he loves you. Guys, as the lights go down and we move into communion, I really do want you to spend some time just, just seeking God, worshiping him. We only got about, about 15 minutes, guys, so, so don't run off. When you're ready, you can come up and you can spend time in prayer and you can get you the elements and just and just pray with each other. And this is your time. And we thank you, Lord, for Psalm 40. We thank you, God, that David knows exactly how we feel. And Lord, help us to take some time to worship you and praise you and honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.